This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 350. Professional ethics. No, 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 no. Come back to me. Don't turn away. This is really a riveting topic, and I think you're going to really enjoy today's show. As a matter of fact, my guest today gave a talk on this very topic that she titled The Fascinating World of the ICF Code of Ethics. What does having ethics provide for our profession? How does it give us a path forward? And what happens if someone goes off the path and needs to be brought back? We're going to be talking about that and so much more with my guest, Cecilia Enquist, as we talk about ethics, the backbone of our industry. Join us. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you here for a little bit of a milestone episode. We are at 350 episodes. What delights me about that is that that means that over 300 guests have brought their expertise forward to you, that we have been able to explore ways to sharpen our coaching skills, build businesses that help us bring impact into the world and help us make an income so that we can do that and change organizations through leadership and ways that we can engage with a coaching conversation. If you have yet to meet me, I'm Meg Rentschler. I am an executive coach and a coach instructor and mentor. And I believe that coaching and the value of coaching really can change the conversations we have and enrich this world that we live in. So whether you are a listener to the show, maybe a brand new listener to the show, I hope that you continue to be enriched by what we're offering. If you are a member of our community and are growing that way, good on you. Love having you as a member of our community. If you've worked with me through one of my programs or have been taught by me, welcome. And if you're just brand new to this, just so delighted to have you here. And today for our 350th episode, we are going to be visiting with a friend of mine who talks about what lights her up. And you wouldn't necessarily think that coaching ethics would light us up. Yet, Cecilia Enquist, who is a certified leadership and executive coach, a coaching instructor, and a coach mentor, is serving on the ICF Global Independent Review Board, or the IRB is what we're going to talk about it in the interview, since 2020. And through that work, she talks about how her brain has been stretched and enlightened through this volunteer work that she does, how important coaching ethics really are and how they really are a backbone of what we do. When we tap into what lights us up, just so much can open up from there. Cecilia is also a past president of the ICF Houston chapter. 
She's a co-founder of the All Texas Retreat and Conference, which is now the Texas Coalition. And the conference is every March. You do not have to be a Texas coach to come to that. It's a fantastic uh, conference. So be sure to look that up. Cecilia spends most of her working time with the Envision Global Leadership, providing leadership development solutions, as well as delivering coaching. Her company is Inquis Coaching, where she partners with leaders to create clear and meaningful strength-based goals. Cecilia is really amazing at sort of engaging in a holistic body-mind approach And she teams with her clients to help them access their full wisdom and creativity. She uses research-based, tailored, innovative coaching techniques and often brings lessons learned from her own experience as an elite international equestrian athlete, an ultra-marathon runner, and all the other wonderful things that she does. She brings those into her working relationships. So with that, I invited Cecilia to focus on this important aspect, coaching ethics, because I think it's under looked at, like, it's sort of like ethics. Do we really want to talk about ethics? Yeah, we want to talk about them. We want to talk about how the ICF also deals with coaching ethics, and how we're just a better profession when we have standards and ethics and competencies to work toward. So with that, let's go to my interview with Cecilia Enquist. Cecilia, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I get to be here. I am so excited to have you here. You are one of those people who just gives and gives. I met you through... I believe the Texas Coalition Conference several years ago. That might be the very first time we met. And I just thought Cecilia just is like in it to win it. She is giving her all. She's uh, helping coaches thrive. You do so much. And then this year at the conference, you gave a talk on the fascinating world of ethics or like the fascinating ethics within the coaching industry, which, you know, people might not think, well, what's fascinating about that? And in truth, when we got together and started talking about it, it's really sort of the backbone of the profession to be able to have a code of ethics, to have a standard that we meet as a profession. And so I would just kind of like to maybe throw it to you. First of all, what was it that what was it that it, that set you up or encouraged you to present on ethics and what kind of a response did you get at the conference? <laughs> Great questions, Meg. I'm actually going to take us back all the way through to 2002 to begin this answer. When I first came in contact with uh, with coaching as a profession and began to explore it and somebody said, I was at a conference myself back in, in and this was in Sweden. And they said, the reason that I want to be part of the ICF, said this coach, is because they have a code of ethics. So the code of ethics has been around, an ethical conversation has been around in our profession and industry for a very, very long time. And I carried that with me for so many years. I remember that conversation still now, 20-something years later. And 
it's been part of my practice. It came through when I was president for the uh, ICF Houston chapter. And uh, then again, it came back when I applied to be uh, a member on the independent review board for ICF Global. And we'll and talk about what that's all about in, in we will. during this interview. Yeah. Yes. And I know I'm being long-winded here. But no, I, you're like great. To provide you with the back uh, part of that. And, and But being in all of these positions as well as a, as a practicing coach has really made ethics part of the forefront for me. So uh, when I actually was asked by one of uh, the organizers to say, hey, Cecilia, I really think that ethics is, is, is awesome and we don't talk about it enough. Can you do a presentation on it? I thought, oh, well, who wants to hear about this? <laughs> Who really? And I said, do you really think people want to hear about the ethics? And the reply was, yeah, I really do think so. <laughs> so I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? Because I know from experience that many coaches think that the ethics part is, okay, we're going to read through the standards and do our, our CCUs, check the box, and off we go. Uh, so I decided to name my presentation The Fascinating World of the ICF Code of Ethics, because I really think it is. And into the room came some uh, some coaches who were interested. And I had gotten prior to, to this, uh, I had gotten the question, what, is this real fun? You know, how are you going to make it fun? What are you going to do? I mean, what are we going to do? And, and I'm not sure. And, and there was a little bit of doubt there. But once in the room and we got going and started, it, it captured, I think, the interest of, of people. And, and the response afterwards was what surprised me. There were several people who came up after the presentation and said, wow, I had no idea. Wow, the way that, that we approach ethics and the, uh, an ethical conduct review in the ICF is so different from what I've had in other uh, professions. Some have been in other professions and uh, gone through uh, rigorous processes like this and had not so good experiences. I even had uh, people coming up and saying, hey, you know what? I wish I had been in your session. I heard it was, it was fun. And I thought that was just wonderful feedback, not, not just for me, but for, for the topic, uh, because it really is what I think is the backbone of our, of our profession and industry. And because I am absolutely committed in this show to keep presenting the different angles of coaching to help coaches thrive, but also to help us realize that this is a substantial profession. It is, if we want to do it well, and if we want to be recognized as a profession, there are things such as ethics and standards that are the heartbeat of that. So with that, when I also heard how wonderful your presentation was, I contacted you and said, we need to talk about ethics on the show. And you were so kind to be willing to do that. And when we think about all the different, so we're basically going to bring that same wow here. And one of the things that I hear consistently about the coaching profession, which is relatively new compared to other professions. I mean, the ICF originated in 1995. When you think about other professions like psychotherapy or law, or I mean, some of the other supportive service industries, they've been around a longer time maybe than coaching as a profession. And that's what I also think is so important that we 
we give structure for coaches to understand how, if I'm going to be a coach, how do I do so in an ethical way? So when we think about like staying independent versus being regulated. When I was a, a therapist, my industry was regulated by the state. Well, there are many conversations about that. What do those conversations sound like in the coaching world? Um, I think we have a lot of people with very many different opinions. And um, what you're asking right there is, is not so much what I am part of in the day, day-to-day work, But what I do know is that some parts of the world, like North America, uh, are less inclined to regulate. Europe, as a trend, might be a little bit more towards, can we have more regulation? But what we do know is that um, right now, our profession is unregulated. Anybody can call themselves coach. And that is really where I find um, the code of ethics being so absolutely crucial because it is what distinguishes, uh, at least in my my view, somebody who takes the, the profession seriously, want to abide by this. So we have the code of ethics, uh, our 28 standards, and also we have our core competencies. And those are what right now forms um, f- forms the profession. And, and I don't know, I, I have encountered um, many, well, not uh, maybe not so many, but at, at least some occasions where I hear about people call themselves coaches who are not ICF members, they do not abide by the code of ethics. And uh, all of a sudden, we see some behaviors that are, are quite uh, horrendous, uh, what's being done in the name of coaching. So therefore, I think it plays such a crucial role. Well, and I would also say to you, I think that that I think organizations are getting familiar with like what an ICF coach is versus a non-ICF coach or, you know, more and more of maybe the consumer industry is beginning to realize that there's a there's a real benefit to choosing a coach who has training, who has ethics and standards that they follow, competencies that they are trained in. And so we today are going to dive into the piece that you are very well versed in regarding, you know, how our ethics really protect the public to maybe not have those horrendous experiences. And if they do have a horrendous experience, they have a way of having a place to submit an issue to the ICF. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what are some of the things that that coaches might either inadvertently or blatantly do that get them in in trouble with or encounters with an ethic review and how listeners can really lean into their coaching in an ethical, proud, confident way because really I look at the ethics as giving us some guardrails. And when we know what those guardrails are, we can be in that lane really fully, confidently, and it it helps us show up better as coaches, and it helps us engage in partnership better. And so all those things are great, but we want to know kind of what they are. So we would obviously start with telling the listeners, the Code of Ethics are on the ICF website. You can download the PDF. It's very user-friendly. And I recommend if you have not recently read your code of ethics to just be aware of what's in that. Based upon everything that I just said, 
Let me throw it over to you around what is, because you had mentioned earlier, and I said we were going to step back into that because I want people to to know, like if anybody was like, well, what's the independent review board? I wanted them to know that we were going to come back to that. <laughs> so you had decided to be on the independent review board. Can you talk a little bit about what that is, what its purpose is? Yes. So the the ICF, and um, well, as we all know now, if somebody is a, either a member or a credential holder, you may or may not know that, that people can hold a credential but not be a member. But right. for both of these groups, um, we sign and say we're going to uh, abide uh, by the code of ethics. So there are 28 standards, and they were uh, um, formulated by uh, people from within the ICF. And some of the members that are right now on the independent review board were part of actually uh, creating the new uh, the new code that uh, came into place in 2019. And so now we all have said that, okay, we want to abide by this. And sometimes um, there are situations when that comes into question. So let's say that I am a coach and I have a, a client and that client has an experience uh, that they start to to question. They can go to the to the um, to the ICF website and file a complaint. And they might say that, oh, I have experienced this situation and I, I want it to be looked at. So there is this first step of, of filing the complaint. And so as somebody does that, they go through a whole process. And after that complaint is filled out, it lands in ICF staff hands. So they will look at it. There is an, um, we have two full-time staff working with, with ethics and compliance. So they look at it and they make sure that everything is in order, that uh, the, the coach, which is actually an ICF coach. We get a lot of complaints coming in with coaches that are non-ICF coaches. So we have to make sure that it's it's actually a valid, uh, a valid complaint or a viable complaint mm-hmm. uh, that then goes to the first instance uh, called an initial review board. And that initial review board consists of the leadership of the IRB, the independent review board, and I am one of those people. So we will look at the complaint when it comes in and we will we will look at what standards that are complained about, and then we will say, okay, we think that there is either merit here to warrant an investigation. We make no determination of anything. We just say there might be something here to look into. And so if, if we say, okay, we think this is warrants an investigation, it goes to the investigation team. So not everything makes it to the investigation team. So the yeah. first step is that if it's not even an ICF coach, the ICF isn't going to investigate it because it's you have no no purview over that person. And then secondly, it gets reviewed and then it's either this doesn't really meet. So what might be something that gets complained about, but it doesn't really get forwarded on? I mean, is there any sort of basic example of that? It could be somebody who is angry, who is is filing something. They may not have any evidence of it. We can't, or there might be a situation that some of the cases that we do not investigate is if they're in a, a, a legal process, ah. for example, and uh, there could be uh, things like that. So th- there are, uh, there's a number of reasons why we would not um, decline take to on a complaint. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So once it gets, it's like, okay, this is worth investigating. It goes to the next step. What happens then? So 
a team is uh, formed um, of three IRB members. And these are three people who have not seen anything of the complaint or the case before. So it's three new fresh people. And their task is to investigate what has happened in this situation. They will interview the coach. They will interview the complainant. They will review uh, the material that, that has been uh, presented. They will uh, do what uh, we call a fact-finding mission, uh, where facts and evidence are brought out uh, so that both sides has equal opportunity to how they experience the situations from their sides. And the investigation team then write a report where this is presented. And then after that report has been approved, again, internally by the leadership and the IRB, we form a new team. So now it's team number, well, three. Right, right. (laughs) This is so intensive. It is. And that last team is uh, what we call the final uh, review panel, FRP. And their task is to look at the report, the evidence presented, and then determine a breach or no breach against the standards that are being complained about. Okay. So this is, for anybody who's listening, nothing is taken lightly. I mean, any complaint is looked at thoroughly. It's There's several different places where it's either going to be dismissed or further investigated. And it sounds as though, based upon what you're saying, the coach is well aware. The coach is invited in to have their feedback, to be a part of the process. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to get a letter that you've been, you know, thrown out of the ICF because of something that's happened behind the scenes or something like that. I mean, you're you're very much invited into the process. Yes. And of course, this can be a very unpleasant experience for many coaches because they, you will get a letter one day. This um, there has been a complaint filed against you, and that is pretty devastating to them. Oh, it many. is, and that is why we we don't take this lightly at all. It is, I think, the people that I have met on the IRB. It, it's a team. Um, I think we're twenty three. You have to be for all the right steps now. you walk through. Yeah. You have to. Have, <laughs> you have to have more than two. That's for sure. Yes, we do. But it, it, the, the team is is consciously put together by representatives from all over the world because we all see the ethics differently mm-hmm. and we all have different ways of processing and thinking. And so we want diversity and we also want to try and take out bias at any part of this process. So what that, that is also why it's separated in so many steps so that a bias is not being carried forward from, from one step to another. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that when we get, to, and, and I, I do want to say this, because I think mm-hmm. this is one of the most important things that is also maybe not the least known. And that is, let's say now that we've gone through all the steps and the coach is found in breach of, it could be, let's say that there was five standards that were complained against, and then they have been found in breach of two. Okay. What happens is we ask for the coach to put together a self-guided learning plan because what, and this is the key thing, the ethics review process is not a punitive or it's not meant to be a punitive process. Mm -hmm. It is meant to be an educational process so that the coach can take this experience, learn and integrate that and become a better coach that also serves them, but it also serves our profession. 
Well, and that's important because I was tongue in cheek earlier when I said, get a letter that you're thrown out of the ICF. Your intention isn't to throw people out as much as let's learn from this, let's grow. And so in a very coach-like way, you're leaning into the coach to say, what's your development plan? What's your, where do you need to learn and grow? What would be your ideas to do that? And if the coach needed some guidance in that or some thoughts about, well, what would be a good way to lean into that? Are there resources for that on within the board? Sometimes we provide some resources. There are also a lot of good resources on um, on the ICF website. Okay. Now, we, we have to be careful, though, because our task is to, to hold this process. Right. But we're not educators around the process okay. when somebody is in it. What very often happens is we will also suggest maybe in the learning plan to integrate that with supervision. Mm. So we would suggest that this might be a good step. And very many coaches do. They, they go out, they work independently, they find their way, and uh, then they come back when their results. And we have many occasions when somebody has been pretty devastated, I will say, it's in the devastating. beginning. Yeah. But they come out on the other side and said, that was so enriching. That was enriching. And I learned a lot. I learned about uh, myself, my practice, uh, and I come out as a better coach. Now, so, so th- those are the best case scenarios. Right. And I appreciate your distinction between you're there to uphold the process and there's other resources to kind of uphold the growth in the learning. And I appreciate that distinction. You know, yeah. you talked about the fact that we have standards and 28, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. In your experience thus far, are there particular standards that are more likely to be infringed or not upheld versus others? There are some areas that we see more difficulty with, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, areas. So some, and, and, and this is the resource too for everybody who's listening, uh, the ICF produces a report around uh, the compliance issues and where we also outline very, very, high level, uh, what the IRB uh, complaints have been about. Okay. So you can, you can find that in under the ethics tab on the, on the ICF website. But in 2021, the breakdown that we had, and I'm reading now from that report, 31%, so almost a third of the cases had to do with not maintaining appropriate boundaries. What and kinds there are, there of things are, might fall in those? I mean, I'm, obviously, there's probably as many as different, but what kinds of things would that look like? Um, it could be things like physical, actual physical boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be the client maybe saying that they do not want any contact with the coach, but the coach keeps contacting them. There is a few standards that it speaks to these. And this is where we start to, to come into uh, to the land of what I will say is the beginning of ethical maturity in a coach. Always have to, you have to always go back and, and check with yourself and is this something that I'm doing for me or am I doing it for the client? Good distinction. And that really sort of is is coach-like behavior, right? I mean, if we're asking yeah. a question, are we asking it to forward the client's growth or are we asking it for our own, you know, to our own curiosity or whatever? Are we, you know, in this ethical, is it, are we doing this for ourselves or are we doing it for the client? I love that distinction. Yeah. 
Yeah. So 31% were about boundaries and, and okay. Yes. 25% of the cases that we looked at, it was breach of confidentiality. Yeah. It often happens when coaches aren't clear on contracting, especially if a sponsor or a third party is involved. That was going to be my guess. And and I will tell you in my in my work as a mentor and a, and a coach instructor, I am if I get a panicked phone call from somebody, it tends to be around I didn't set I thought that everybody understood that let's say the the client's assessment results were the clients and we were just going to share a developmental report or whatever. And now the company says that's my report, but I've already told the client that it's their report. I mean, those kinds of things, it comes, doesn't it, again and again, like how we set it up and the clarity we create at the very beginning is sort of a lifeline through. So the clearer we can be that everybody understands, which is one of actually in our code of ethics, it says, well, I don't know if it's in or if it's in some of the supplementary material on the ICF website, but it says, do not assume that clients understand the code the scope and the value of coaching or that the sponsors do. We don't assume anything. We have to lay it all out. Yeah. Yeah, we do, Meg. And you're touching right upon it because the next next big area is unclear contracting. (laughs) (laughs) And it is huge. And I have seen so many contracts where we think that we are clear or that the coach think that they were clear, but then there there still is all this unclarity around what the client actually read from it. Mm. And sometimes we can't do anything about that. And it, but that is when this, the, the IRB process, so the ECR, where the ethics complaints uh, review process comes into play, because then we can look at these contracts and say, well, it did stay here. So let's say that the client is really upset about one thing or another, but if it is in the contract, and we can ask questions around that and have the clarity of what is what is actually in this agreement. And that might be, well, that's a fact. And we call it in, into evidence when we're saying it is the breach or no breach. So just thinking about, and this isn't, I don't want everybody to think, start to swirl and think, oh, I can't take a client. I might get, you know, an ethics complaint. This is, it's, it's, so once you know this information, now kind of research say look for you know really complete agreements maybe have an attorney look over your agreement if you so desire but i mean so what cecilia and i are not here to freak you out cecilia and i are here to <laughs> to give you information so that you can say i want to be really clear i want my agreements to be clear i want to understand what healthy boundaries are I want to respect the fact, I know we talked about in our, well, and I might, I'm not even going to bring that up because I'm going to throw to you and say, what else are you seeing as potential difficulties that come up in coaches meeting the standards? I think it, it's such a broad range because we we get, there are complaints with, with some people who are very, very, they think about ethics, that they have um, done a lot in their practice in order to to make it happen. We also meet uh, coaches who might not have that um, consciousness mm-hmm. around what really constitutes ethical behavior. And one thing that I have learned in my time in, in, on the IRB is that 
people think about ethics very, very differently. And I, 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 I love that you actually brought up the, the agreement and having a lawyer look it over and, and having very clear contracting. This is a very Western perspective. There are cultures where we have coaches where that is not in place because their practice from where they operate within might not allow that because okay. that could constitute mistrust. So then what we are that then we need to look at it from that perspective and 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 the code of ethics also talks about how do we behave in the environment in which we are operating so are we sensitive to those conditions and before i say anything else i i i love that you also want to bring up this is not to freak anybody out it's, it's about bringing a little bit more awareness into and uh, what is what is really going on here and and maybe hopefully spark, plant a seed that will now grow into a beautiful plant and flower. <laughs> we expect an uptick in the web traffic That's the right. ethics, uh, on, on the uh, little ethics page that we have there on, uh, on, on the ICF website. Um, so to help and guide also, our team is working with how do we interpret these standards? So, that, so at the very bottom, there is uh, something called insights and considerations or ethical insights and considerations, mm-hmm. where there is thinking about how, what are the different perspectives that one might think of this particular standard. Uh, again, just to help and spark some curiosity around it. I love that you brought up the fact that there is, you know, the ICF is a global organization. And sometimes we can look through our lens. I obviously look through my, you know, Western lens and said, you know, if it makes you feel better, maybe have have an attorney look it over. But that's not necessarily a global kind of concept. And and when we get so caught up in our own lens, you know, somebody else saying, consider this just opens that up. That's I just think it's so valuable when things like that happen. So thank you for uh, bringing that up. When a coach has kind of gone through the process and they've, you said, best case scenario, they come back and say, I really grew and am at a very different place now. And maybe even I'm grateful that I've gone through this, even though it was very painful. Uh, How does it sort of wrap up? I mean, are you always, how does that process, if, if I've gone through, I've created a learning plan for myself, I've, I've done the learning plan, is it always sort of on my record that I had an ethics violation? I don't even know if violation is the right word. I am. Um, this is all. Uh, all the, the the keeping of these records are are done by the ICF staff. And uh, so once a, a coach is in the in the process of creating the learning plan and going through the learning plan, that is part of the process that gets monitored and and checked in mm-hmm. by. Uh, by the staff. So so uh, us and and by the way, we're all volunteers on the IRB. Right. It's uh, so it's volunteer uh, volunteer time, and so um, I I actually don't know if it stays there. Okay, I know I that just... if somebody uh, if somebody's in the process, that is that is there. It's um, being monitored, like you said. We it's not like you get a learning plan and then it just ends. It's it's there is a process to kind of bring that to fruition. I'm just yeah. curious if if well and it, if if at that point like. I would, I would just think like, how does it sort of wrap up? Yeah. Well, when it wraps up, it wraps up. I, and, and like I said, I don't know if there is any record keeping around that or I actually don't know that. Okay. So it, it, the only case would be, let's say that, that there is a complaint and the coach is not following through uh, or 
there could be something then there could be some remedial action around you cannot renew a credential or the membership unless these processes are completed that's helpful to know so so there's there's monitoring. I guess my my thought there was I wouldn't think that you're monitored for like the rest of your life. I mean that there is. I guess I was like, is there a an end to the pro? We don't know whether it's still on the record, but is there an end to yeah. the process? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There is an end to the process. Okay. I mean, okay. When, when they're done, they're done. Okay. And, okay. And when when it's completed, it's complete, and then it's noted as such. But, okay. Um, but it, when when things aren't finalized, let's say that we have a coach that's been falsely marketing themselves as an MCC on the, or sometimes that is just a compliance case. But if it goes into our process, uh, we might say that, Hey, you know, this needs to be done before you can renew or the credential or the the, the membership. So uh, there's different degrees of what that remedial action could be. Um, Very helpful. And Yeah. So first of all, I want to thank you because I hope everybody's able to see, first of all, that there are opportunities with, within the International Coaching Federation to volunteer, to take part in the kinds of things that Cecilia is talking about. And I'm willing to bet you've learned a ton about, you know, how to best practices by being this involved in this process. I mean, I just think that anytime we volunteer our time and our energy, we're going to win from that as well. But I want to thank you for your time and energy because it sounds like it's a lot. It, yeah, it, it, it is a lot. It is also extremely rewarding. And I will, I, I will tell you, the, the members on the, on the IRB are some of the smartest, most compassionate and wonderful people I have ever worked with. Oh my goodness, Cecilia is such a wonderful source of information, shared so much with us. Thank you again to Cecilia. And she supplied incredible resources for me to share with you in the show notes at starcoatshow.com slash 350, starcoatshow.com slash 350. There are links for how you can access information through the ICF. There's books. And of course, if you want to know more about Cecilia and the work she does, there's ways to connect with Cecilia as well. So please check out the show notes at starcoatshow.com slash 350. My conversation with Cecilia continued in the membership community, where we talked about the difference between making an interpretation versus an observation when we're with our clients. There's also a link to explore the Starcoach community in those same show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 350. I invite you back next week when I will be bringing my high energy interview with Lynn Young forward, where we talk about red hot living. We talk about how to be unapologetic and step into who you are. And when you do that, what does that open up for you? And what does that open up for your clients? you're going to love it. So I really invite you back next week as we explore how to be you in your client relationships. If you are interested in exploring the Starcoach community, visit starcoachshow.com and explore the community. Until next week, 
This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.